Hey guys, it's your friendly neighborhood Allison here with a few notes at the top of the show. First of all, uh, this was recorded before I had watched seasons 13 and 14 of Supernatural, and it was also recorded before it was announced that season 15 will be the last and final season of Supernatural, so keep that in mind while you're listening. This episode was also recorded before the eighth and final season of Game of Thrones, which seems like a non sequitur, but will become apparent when we talk about kind of tonal shifts in television that have occurred due to Game of Thrones influence during the golden age of TV. Also, a done goofed. While talking about the supernatural drinking bingo game, I say that Sam eats, drinks, or talks about porn, but I mean Dean. All Supernatural fans are going to clock that mistake immediately, but just in case you are not familiar, I definitely meant Dean. Lastly, you are going to hear me call Dean a misogynist, which even to my own ears, listening back to it sounded kind of wrong, Um, but I think the phrase I was trying to go for was probably toxically masculine. Basically, what I'm trying to get at is that Dean has the emotional maturity of a Fruit Loop. Without further ado, on with the show. Welcome to the Warm Honeyed Popcast. This is a podcast about how everyone has daddy issues. <laughs> I'm Allison Staub. I'm from New Orleans, and I'm here with the illustrious Tobias Butat. How are you doing, Tobias? Guten Tag. I'm doing very well. I've spent all, all day, almost all day in bed today. It was glorious. How are you? Wow. Um, yeah. I've, you know, I've been doing better. Uh, Makar got obliterated yesterday well my car mirror got obliterated yesterday in front of my eyes uh so that was depressing um i I can imagine (laughs) it's just kind of been a slow roll today but i'm doing a little bit better because i've got a lovely vodka cocktail over here a nice pod fluid i think i'm feeling a little better about life yeah that would make me feel better about life definitely I can feel. I, I can see that. Um, I'm going mostly pot fluidless. My the, the beer I'm drinking today has zero alcohol. So, ooh, it's a Sunday night. Okay, I have to work tomorrow. That's true. <laughs> Sometimes you just need something you know that's beer like, but not quite you know as strong. I get that. Beer adjacent. Beer adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been a, it's been a great Sunday because uh, as a parent, you never have the luxury luxury of just mulling about in bed all day, and that's precisely what I did today. I got up at four p.m. and spent the rest of the day doing several naps, <laughs> watching a ton of Star Trek. That sounds amazing. We're big Trekkies, so we could talk about Trek forever, but that is not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about a TV show that is near and dear to my heart. Despite the fact that it can sometimes be hashtag problematic. (laughs) And that is Supernatural. So, Tobias, you have never seen Supernatural. No, I haven't. And I have hashtag thoughts about it. So, um... (laughs) Everyone does. We all have very complex feels. Mm. It's, it's, it's very complex. Uh, no, I, I haven't uh, seen a single episode of it, like, until maybe not even a second of it, uh, until last week when I, first, uh, when, I, when, I, when I watched the first episode for the first time. Uh, how, how, have you, how, how long have you been? Uh, you, you're a real diehard fan of it. Yeah, but I, I would say I'm one of the many fans that started Supernatural after it had already been airing for quite a while. Um, I got into it through streaming and... This will come as a surprise to nobody. I saw a lot of Tumblr gift sets about it. 
and I was like, what is this show about? It looks kind of gay. So it's a show? It's a lifestyle. It's a religion. <laughs> uh, so I, w I really want to watch that. <laughs> Basically, I saw a lot of Destiel and I was like, I got to see what this is about. <laughs> um, so uh, I started watching it and I was surprised at how much I liked it, despite the fact that there are like no women on that show. <laughs> it is, well, well, it well, is well, a sausage fest. Well, well, if you're looking for the women of Supernatural, you got to go look in the fridge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why it's so it's it's very interesting to me that the fan base for Super Supernatural is overwhelmingly female. And yet uh, you really don't have many series regulars that are women. Um, that does get better later. Uh, it takes a while. <laughs> it takes a really <laughs> long time. It gets better and worse in some ways. <laughs> well, uh, I have, but I don't want to spoil anything. Well, I have, a, I, have, I have a theory on why that might be, although you are probably uh, throwing a wrench into that theory because, man, they, they want their boys. They just want their boys undisturbed, so to speak. I think that's kind of the deal. And also having any kind of like romantic subplots or like motherly subplots uh, would bog down the story too much. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wouldn't give the boys, you know, like enough angst. <laughs> they need a lot of angst uh, in order to make this work. Because I think, well, we should probably talk about what the actual premises of the show is. But uh, I think part of the appeal of Supernatural is that it's macho on the surface and then it's like all soft emotions at the bottom at its core all mushy it's all mushy like especially some like a character like dean is considered i would say like toxically masculine on the surface but is really like the most emotional mama's boy in the, <laughs> at the center well speaking speaking of mama's boy that's that's basically uh how the show starts so uh we we start on a flashback um and we so this is show is about two brothers and who is uh, which who are called sam and dean sam and dean winchester i believe and yes. um after the winchester mystery house which i don't know if you know the the story behind that i don't so um the winchester mystery house was built by Mrs. Winchester of Winchester rifle fame. It was like one of the most highly produced types of rifles in the United States at the time. So a, a lot of people who died via gunshot wounds were shot by a Winchester rifle. When her husband died, who created this rifle, um, she started to believe that all of the ghosts of people who had been killed by the rifles were coming to get her. So she would, she built this insane house and I forget where, it, where it is. You can, it's still existing. It has like doors that lead nowhere, like, uh, like staircases that go straight into a wall. Um, it has all of these like weird trap doors and secret passageways because she thought that would confuse the spirits and they wouldn't be able to get to her. Uh, and she died Uh, using all of her money trying to create new weird puzzle ways in her house. <laughs> yeah, so that's like kind of a cool little neat tidbit. Has, has Stephen King bought this house yet? <laughs> Not yet. I was thinking it would be a great place for Anne Rice because she's gotten a little paranoid in her later years. <laughs> She could build a maze uh, to confuse all the writers of fan fiction. <laughs> 
oh yeah she doesn't like fan fiction at all <laughs> she does not like it no. no um so uh we get in on uh well the first woman on the fridge happens in the first like I think three minutes of the show. So uh, this is a flashback to when uh, Dean, the older of the two, is maybe like four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam is still an infant. And, right. um, well, the, the mommy gets killed by a demon or something like that. So that's basically what happens in the first few minutes. Um, uh, Describe yeah. the way in which she is killed, because it is pretty dramatic. Uh, she's she's nailed to the ceiling, and then we get this, uh, and then, then the whole room is flooded by really bad mid not mid arts uh, CGI flames. Well, so th- some of that is CGI flames. Some of it's actual real flames. So they made a paper mache like dummy of the mom, and they lit it on fire for no real. No way. Because it, re- yeah. it looks really bad. I mean, the show in general looks pretty I good. I think the, the explosion is the CGI fire, but the actual fire, like, on on that shot that you see, like, on top is, like, a composite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, looks, it looks really weird. So uh, this, is, this is basically the, um, the under... I think the trauma that all the emo man pain comes from, right? So, it, it, yes. <laughs> oh. I knew going in that uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan would be in this because this is, I think, one of his uh, early star-making appearances alongside Grey's Anatomy, by the way. Um, Yeah, around the same time. Um, I think maybe a year or so apart. But I expected to see more of them because he he appears in the the cold open of, of, of the episode and then he's... Never seen again for quite some time. <laughs> After this cold open where uh, Sam and Dean's mommy dies, um, we see Sam as uh, as a college student who is about to get a full ride for a Stanford Law School. Which timeline-wise doesn't really make much sense because I think he's supposed to be like, I don't, I'm like 20 mm-hmm. or 21 Um which is a little early <laughs> to be starting <laughs> law school. And maybe he's uh, just would, super smart. He could be. Um, but yeah, uh, it's an interesting interesting timeline there. Yeah. And this show's not really great about the specifics. I'll, <laughs> I'll be sure about that. Like, they forget their own canon like literally all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got. Uh... He's got everything figured out. He's going to Stanford probably. He has uh, some some fun friends. He has a, a, a really, really, really foxy girlfriend. Yes, he does. And uh, everything's going great until his brother appears. Yeah, Dean comes in and crashes the party. And he says, I really like this line because when you first watch the show, you don't know what the significance of it is. Um, but he says after they have like basically a kung fu fight, uh, with this mistaken identity sort of vibe. Uh, after Sam realizes that it's Dean, uh, Dean tells him that uh, their father has been on a hunting trip and he hasn't been back in a few days. They're also kind of speaking in code so that the girlf- so that Sam's girlfriend doesn't really get what they're talking about. Right, so like in, in the context of like, uh, I guess, country American families, that's a very normal thing to say. And I like I like that that becomes like an actual part of the show's vernacular uh, because you can they're they're literally they literally call themselves hunters, even though what they're hunting is not like animals. Mm -hmm. 
I like that. I like that little, little seed that they plant there. It's very cute. So um, this basically sets up the um, the arc for the for at least the next few episodes because I haven't watched that far ahead. I don't know for long for long we'll for long this this plot will be around, but they're basically looking for their father because something has happened to him. They don't know what. I played supernatural drinking bingo to each of these episodes because I've seen them so many times. Um, emo man pain is one of the squares on on, on the bingo. <laughs> what are the other this ones? This is what gets the emo man pain going. Oh, let me let me read them out to you. I'll pull up my notes. Um, so you can't really fully appreciate the supernatural drinking bingo without getting to at least like season five or so because some of these we haven't quite hit yet. Um, but a lot of them we did. I almost got bingo on the pilot episode, but I, I, was, I was not close enough. Um, so square number one is rock music plays. But that, uh, that's number, kind of an easy one. <laughs> the next one is uh, boys drop their gun at a vital moment. Uh, Dean gets slammed into a wall, which happens in this episode. Rock music also plays in this episode. So I got, I got two right off the bat. Uh, Bobby, who you haven't met, calls the boys idiots. Instant access to high-speed Wi-Fi, <laughs> which is a trope that we see all the time. In 2005, uh, no less. Boys have a heartfelt talk under a bridge. <laughs> uh, I think actually Dean says son of a bitch, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it anywhere. I didn't, I think I wasn't paying close attention. I was, you know, doing the drinking bingo. We all have our moments. Um, every town in the U.S. is only an hour away. <laughs> Which is something that happens literally every episode. Uh, cute kid is evil, which you might have thought was going to happen in that second episode, but doesn't happen. No. Um, fourth wall is broken. That happens in later seasons. Sam does an autopsy. Uh, archaic ritual easily found through Google. <laughs> um, quirky motel room, which happens in literally every episode. Uh, Castiel stands too close to someone. You haven't met Castiel yet. It'll happen in later seasons. Quote from an 80s movie or TV show. Sam gets choked or strapped to a table. <laughs> that happens a lot more often than you'd think. Is there, is there a square <laughs> for um, boys? Uh, the boys give their... Um, um, discuss their ideas for what the problem of the week might be and that it turns out to be something completely different from that? Wait, so the, one of the next squares is Sam explains the lore. Sam's always the one that's like on the computer being like, this is what a woman in white is. Or like, <laughs> this is what a Wendigo is. Um, Sam eats, drinks, or talks about porn, especially because in the early episodes, he's kind of, uh, I would say like a, a faux misogynist in the same way that like people are faux woke. You know, like he's like not really a misogynist, but he, it comes across that way. Anyone has daddy issues is is a square unto itself. <laughs> is that pre John Winchester? Out? <laughs> yes. Oh, of course. Uh, John Winchester is a rotten dad. Sam has wall slamming sex, which that also happens more frequently, I think, in earlier episodes. Than I can't imagine episodes. Sam having wall slamming sex. We get to this later, but uh, he is on this show. He is still is basically the Dean from from Gilmore Girls. I'm Dean. Hi. And that is like the most nice high school boyfriend character in, in, in existence. Right.
right. He's so sweet and so wonderful. Uh, so the last ones are someone has special plans for Sam. That's also something that comes into play later this season. And then emo tears of man pain, because that also happens all the time. I think the emo tears of man pain are like the number one reason why women keep coming back to this show. Because like it is very rare to see that kind of vulnerability in masculine characters. And this is such an ultra masculine show in a lot of ways. Um, I think that juxtaposition is like the catnip that keeps everybody coming back. Like, it's just, that's how it is. So the ones that we got for, for pilot episode one are rock music plays, Dean gets slammed to a wall, every town in the U.S. is an hour away, quirky motel room, it's your destiny, which is like just something that like Dean, Dean like thinks that it's just like the family business and it's like meant to be, but also that also becomes a later bigger theme. Anybody has daddy issues. Sam explains the lore. John is a rotten dad, which is true. And then emo tears of man pain. I got close. So, um, this basically sets up the, um, the arc for the, for at least the next few episodes, because I haven't watched that far ahead. I don't know for long, for long, we'll, for long, this, this plot will be around, but they're basically looking for their father because something has happened to him. They don't know what. And the, the first, the first place they go to is a, a case where um, where a, a woman in white has appeared and made people uh, commit suicide. I guess. Uh, I mean, she kills them. Yeah, but they it, don't to the outside, suicide. it appears to be a suicide at first. I guess. Uh, I that's not the impression I got. Um, but they because yeah, especially the the first one. Or the first one that we see on screen, the guy just like he pops, he pops like a grape, like like he just he just like explodes in his own car, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which I don't know how that would be ruled as a suicide with no gun. Um, what I love is that the actress that plays the woman in white is Sarah Sarahi. She was on the L Word, and she was. The foxiest lesbian <laughs> ever to play a lesbian ever. But she's everybody foxy remembers, ghost here. Everybody remembers Carmen. And I think she she does a really good job, even though this type of thing is a little iffy. Um, a lot of ghost legends are, are a little iffy because they demonize women quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not really a problem. I mean, it, it is certainly a problem with the show, but it's just borrowing from tropes that already exist but i think she did a really good job with this and she's very believable in that role i gotta admit i was mildly turned on by her performance to be honest i i didn't catch that last part you you glitched out what did you say you mildly what i I was mildly turned on by her performance to be honest oh she was great Mm -hmm. and if you want more sarah sarahi i highly recommend watching the l word when Carmen joins the show, it takes a little while. I think it takes two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh, it's my favorite coupling. Oh, Shane and Carmen forever. We should watch The L Word. It's trash, but it's my trash. <laughs> we should. I, have, I, have, I haven't seen it. It's dated as hell. But it's all we had, guys. 
if you if you were a queer lady, you didn't have much to watch. We didn't have like subplot characters like we do now. We had nothing, so it was always the L word. That's the only thing you got to watch. <laughs> and if you didn't like it, tough, you were still gonna watch it. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, this this ghost is killing people, and but she's only killing unfaithful men, uh, which is an interesting twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it but it so but, we got to. But it takes a while until the, the guys uh, figure that out. They just they just roll into town and uh, try to figure out what the mystery is. And, and it's kind of fun. I think it's, it starts a, a regular occurrence of um, Sam and Dean masquerading as law enforcement, but they're not kidding anyone because they just look like they're straight out of high school. Right. <laughs> they looked, I was like, who is going to believe that like, would... a 26-year-old and like a 19-year-old are federal marshals? I am a cop. And you will respect my authority. Yeah, right. You better get back to school, little boy. <laughs> None of them is wearing suits for stars. And right. uh, one of them is just wearing, it's just looking like your, your, uh, I mean, he has, he hasn't, I think even his leather jacket is angsty. I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's so, so much that, angst. That's, that's, that's so much under, underlying angst. So that's not what the man looks like. Um, no. And well, man- and they get a, they get better about this as the seasons roll on. Um, they start to realize that they they can't pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> so they do they do eventually like get some suits and they start to look more legit. But I think in these early episodes, we're just trying to establish mm-hmm. the world <laughs> and also establish that like. Uh, Dean is a character that is just going to fly by the seat of his pants. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not really thinking ahead very much. Mm-hmm. Well, at least he has some um, some f- fake FBI ID or something like that. I think they're posing yeah, as federal marshals F- in, in this scene. But he has some, some fake badges <laughs> in his glove all compartment. Of, all of their fake IDs have like uh, mullet rock. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it'd be like, hi, I'm Agent Ted Nugent. Like <laughs> he'll say shit like that. <laughs> but, and, and the other and, and Sam, at least in these early episodes, he has the exact same styling as he did on Gilmore Girls, which which basically means like he's mo- he's mowing my lawn. I don't have a lawn, but he looks like he's mowing it. <laughs> and he's such a sweet puppy dog, though. Yeah, I, I think Jared Padalecki just has this quality about him that makes him instantly endearing. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's just adorable from the get go. I well, want to protect him and like <laughs> give him a hug. He seems so sad. Yeah, I mean, he has uh, reasons enough to be uh, to be a sad boy. Pretty yeah. soon, they're all sad boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is the first mystery for the guys to solve and i think the mystery itself is pretty unremarkable for the most part so uh yeah i think what's kind of interesting is that the effects are pretty cool i was surprised (laughs) the effects now are not great (laughs) we're in season 14 now we've really Mm -hmm. scaled back on some things (laughs) um effects being one of those things and maybe writing (laughs) But in the earlier episodes, I was surprised at how much of um, an X-Files feel it kind of has. It's kind of It kind of strikes me as like uh, Dawson's Creek X-Files, like, um, like two hunky bros mm-hmm. going to solve a mystery. <laughs> um, and uh, that's the vibe that I got. And so I remember, so Kim Manners, who, who 
directed a lot of X-Files episodes, directed a lot of Supernatural episodes. So I went to go check IMDb to see who directed this one. It was actually a guy named David Nutter who actually met Kim Manners while they were both working on the X-Files. So it makes sense that that's why it has this kind of vibe. Yeah, and also they, uh, I, I have also been done some uh, done, done some research, and um, they're actually filming in some some of the same places as the X Files did. So X Files made heavy use of uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, and so did Supernatural in its first, at least in its first season. Right. So um, it, it turns out that uh, the woman in white, um, or I think this is a phenomenon that uh, that is. A, that is appearing elsewhere as well. This woman in white, or women in white in general, in this uh, in this lore, um, have all killed their own children over um, their husbands being unfaithful, mm-hmm. um, and then realizing what they did, they committed suicide. And right. In, in in the pilot episode, uh, they figure out that they have to. Um, bring her home to the uh, to the to the house that she lived in that she killed her her children and so that um, her the, the the spirits of her dead children can take care of hers in some unspecified way. It, it looks like they're killing her spirit in some way. Yeah. So what's interesting to me about this first pilot episode? They really poured most of the budget into that last <laughs> special <laughs> effect. Um, there's like weird gross like biological like intestine techno tech tentacle things that like Mm -hmm. pop out while the children are hugging her it's like this very intense scene you'll never see that again ever (laughs) (laughs) like that's not how ghosts get exercised if you were just wondering that's not how this works we we see many 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 more ghosts in the show and that is never what goes down Uh, but it's a cool effect and it looks it looks great for the pilot I, i get why they did it yeah um but yeah, uh, she has to go home and, but not before she tries to seduce Sam and try to make him unfaithful. Uh, and Sam's like, I've never been unfaithful. Mm-hmm. And we're all like, yeah, Sam, you're such a sweet bro. You're not like your, your brother Dean, who's big old misogynist. <laughs> like Sam's your woke bro. Like he's going to be, he's going to be with you to the end. But, uh, but she's like, I'm yeah. going to make you. <laughs> yeah, she's like, well, you know, every man has their weakness, and that weakness is Sarah Sarahi on top of you. <laughs> Good. I think every every person has their weakness, I should say. I don't think I would be able to stand a minute. It would just be like, all right, unfaithful, done, it's fine, drag me to hell. <laughs> so, problem solved for the day. Um, they... They uh, get in their old muscle car and... The Impala. The Impala is very important. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm uh, going to call the, it that, a, that way from now on. It's a very specific type. <laughs> we call her Baby. There's oh. a lot of, like, there's a lot of uh, fandom fandom talk uh, when you start watching the show. One of the things is that the Impala is called Baby. Nobody puts Baby in a corner. I do not get any of that, but <laughs> maybe I'm not supposed to. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, Dean Dean's definitely has a relationship with that car. The car is almost a character in and of itself. Is she referred to as a she on the show? On the show. Yes. Oh, of, of course she is. Why not? Why am, I, why am, why am I not a, surprised? She's a vehicle. All vehicles are female, apparently. 
Well, yeah, treat her like a lady and she'll always bring you home. Exactly. Um, I think I, I think Dean says that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> like almost word for word. <laughs> it's like, or it's like, treat her right and she'll treat you right. Uh-huh. Something like that. So they, they crack their first case and it's all like, hmm, maybe we should do this more often. And Sam's like, I still gotta go uh, have that interview about the Stanford scholarship on Monday. And so it seems like well, we're the main all... conflict is that Dean Dean wants to go find their dad. Like they still haven't found their dad. They they went on this particular case to get clues about where John is, and they did. They found coordinates to where they should go. Um, but Sam doesn't want to go because he's he's got you know his whole life ahead of him, and he doesn't want to live this lifestyle. That Dean and John have been living. Yeah, and and in typical TV writers fashion, someone in the writers' room thought we can change that. And you know how we're gonna do that? We put a woman in the fridge. Emo tears of man pain (laughs) via the fridge. (laughs) (laughs) So, to their credit, they pull it off really. uh, They pull it real nicely. So, um, they Sam and Dean part ways, and at that moment, I, I was thinking like. Okay, how are they going to resolve that? What's I mean, we, we right. got to be at the show status quo at the end of this episode. And the status quo means they're in, they're in baby rolling around the country. Um, right. So how do we get there? And I really was a little bit stunned because it was a, it's a pretty peaceful scene. He gets home at home at night. Nobody seems to be there. And he just lays down on the body. And then comes a real effective shot. Well, moment. and he lays... He lays down on the bed and he hears, you can hear the shower running in the background. So it sounds like Jessica's taking a shower and he's just kind of waiting for her to, to get out of the shower. And that's why it's so mm-hmm. shocking. Mm-hmm. And then he gets some drops of blood on his face while he's lying on the bed. He opens his eyes and boom. Boom. His lady is. Just like Mama Winchester. Just like Mama. He doesn't remember that, but it's just like Mama Winchester. She's pinned to the ceiling, uh, flames everywhere. The, the, house is, the house is burning down. He's saved last minute by his, by his brother Dean. And, well, we just like he was in the opening. Yeah. Big bro has to save little bro. Oh, my heart. <laughs> oh. Oh. Feels. Gives me the feels. <laughs> And we, I think, I guess we got ourselves a show. We do. We got ourselves a show. So that's the pilot. What were what were your first impressions after the pilot? Well, I certainly wanted more. Um, it was weird though because um, I, I, it's and that's, that's that's something that stuck with me for the for the for the uh, for the episodes to come is its aesthetics are very weird they're not communicating quite clearly what they want to do so they have this kind of x files vibe at the same time it's also well they, they they have the mullet rock all the time so right so it's like <laughs> I, I told you it's like if uh buffy the vampire slayer and the x files had a baby and that baby was like a little bit country and a little bit rock <laughs> but it, <sighs> It made some of the moments fall flat to me, I have to admit, because um, right. it's the, the the creepy is isolated to very, very few spots. So there's the creepy scenes, there's a creepy ghetto and everything creepy happens there. And outside of these scenes, everything's all 
oh, everything's fine, basically. And that's something that, that I feel X-Files did a lot better. X-Files was creepy and paranoid and weird all the way through, and this show is not. And th I think that's really to its detriment. And, but still, I wanted to, to, to see... Um, what comes next? What's the next monster of the week? I'm I'm a sucker for that kind of for the, for that kind of I show. I know, isn't it? It's just fun. It is. I would say that Supernatural is not a show that I think is particularly deep, <laughs> um, but it is fun, and I get why it has such a, a loyal fan following. Um, considering uh, the, I think what you're 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 getting at in terms of like if we're comparing X Files versus Supernatural, which I think are related but different types of shows like x-files is trying to appeal to a different kind of audience than cw mm -hmm. you know co-opting two gorgeous men to beat vampires and monsters every week <laughs> um but that underlying paranoia and that underlying storyline does come to the fore especially in season one um but it is something that you don't really get to in the first three episodes. We have more of it, that monster of the week mm. sort of vibe. And it, and it makes... We don't really get into that that underlying... There is, similar to X-Files, how there's like... They have a, they have a similar monster of the week mm -hmm. sort of format. Um, but then there's the, the lore behind, right? There's this like uh, underlying storyline uh, that goes throughout the show um, about, you know conspiracy and machinations uh there is a similar underlying storyline we just haven't gotten to mm. it quite yet i think um x-files just nailed a certain kind of a certain kind of aesthetic right out of the right out of the gate they um that was gave you this feeling uh no matter whether it was a monster of the week episode or um as chris carter put it a mythology episode there was always this underlying pervasive feeling that uh thus world you you know the world we see every day and that there's something dark around every corner and lying, lying just beneath the surface, something weird and, and dangerous. Um, and that, that wasn't every X-Files episode. It wasn't the soundtrack. It wasn't the, the direction. It wasn't the set design. It wasn't everything. Um, and Supernatural doesn't do that for some reason. Uh, not even in the soundtrack. Because oh, see, like I like I like the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack's a little more upbeat. We're not going for paranoia. We're going for uh, rock and roll, man. Yeah, but at the same time, <laughs> they do these uh, uh, this suspenseful music, uh, and it clashes. It, I think it just clashes. Fair enough. I don't hate the the mullet rock at all, but um, it's definitely got a, a specific style. Mm -hmm. I will say that it's like. <laughs> It's either a thing you're into or it is a thing that you hate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just uh, there's just some very let's say um, um, generic network genre show aesthetics at play here in some places. It's interesting though. I find the earlier seasons so the show looks and feels very different now. Um, just mm -hmm. as somebody who's seen, I just finished season thirteen of the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> It looks and feels extremely different now than it did back then. And back then they were shooting on film. I, mm -hmm. I absolutely love the aesthetic of the first couple of seasons. Um, it has so much more of a horror vibe um, than the other uh, seasons do. And it, it leans into the kind of like dark color palette that's kind of washed out a lot more. 
And I really, mm-hmm. I, I find that really aesthetically pleasing and I find it, uh, it, it has a, like, I immediately know it's supernatural on my TV mm-hmm. from, from like the get go. Uh, there's no, there's no questioning it. I see, I feel similarly about the X-Files actually. Um, the older seasons of the X-Files have a certain kind of, uh, grain and quality to them that the newer X-Files like really does not. No, <laughs> it does not. It's like very bright and colorful and well lit. And I hate that. Like, <laughs> I don't want that yeah. at all. <laughs> um, and, and the other thing is, um, I wasn't, and I think I'm still not um, really feeling attached to um, Jared Padalecki and uh, and Jensen Ackles because um, what? No, I don't. I don't. They they don't do it for me. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> what? But is this just after? This is just after episode one, or after all three episodes? I felt like um, I felt like that after episode one, but I still do. Oh, you're wrong, man. You're just I'm, wrong. I'm a, I'm lost. I, I'm lost. I know. I'm, I'm a lost soul. But um, the thing is, I think well, this is why the show has an ex- <laughs> purely female fan base. Probably, probably. Um, I think. I think we've we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, I mean, think this is I mean, this is going to be the 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 deciding factor. Whatever whatever descriptions we give here, I instantly believe them as brothers, and I feel like they have really good rapport together. Like immediately I was like, yeah, no, immediately I was like, this, this relationship feels completely natural to me. Um, and, and it feels fun and interesting in a way that I hadn't seen before. I didn't get that vibe at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, like their chemistry together is like what sells the show. If you're not into that then it uh-huh. doesn't work at all because they're, I mean, they're the, the main characters of this, of this mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. I feel like Jensen especially has uh, a, a kind of charm that I've never seen. Uh, he's also like very handsome looking, but he, he has this kind of uh, boyish charm that is infectious. And mm-hmm. I lo- I just love watching him on screen all the time. Like I, I love D de- Oh, and this is the thing that is always surprising to people. Dean's my favorite character probably in the whole show, <laughs> even though he's the one that's like hashtag problematic. Um, <laughs> you would think that I would be more of a Sam Winchester fan. Not the case. <laughs> I am here for like macho on the outside and like mush on the inside. That is the thing I'm here for. <laughs> and that is Dean Winchester to a T. What did I write down? I wrote down something about him. So like, yeah, well, I, I said this, he's a secret softy. Like, he goes around living his life like he's this hard ass. And then the minute he has, like, any kind of emotion or feeling, he's, like, a complete puddle. And, <laughs> and that's adorable. It's wonderful. It's the kind of vulnerability that I don't see in, in real life <laughs> ever. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so appealing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like... These these fantasy men have more emotional depth to them than you typically see in your mm-hmm. average cis straight male in your real life, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's the thing that, that you want to keep watching. That's the compelling thing, and that like the family drama aspect of it as well. Yeah, man, I want to I want to see what's what's up with uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and that that kind of frustrated frustrated me for the for the next few episodes because. 
we don't get it. <laughs> I want my JDM, no, man. No, well, and you're gonna you're gonna keep being frustrated because guess what? John Winchester is a rotten dad. <laughs> he just like, man, he he only shows up when he wants to. John Winchester sucks. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan does not suck. He actually no, very no, he he's very not. good in the role, but um, yeah, uh, you're you're gonna have to wait for Daddy Winchester, and then we're gonna get the feels. <laughs> what, what, is, what is episode four? Um, I have seen these so long ago because there's there should be an episode soon in the season where you do see Jeffrey Dean Morgan and it's uh, it's traumatic. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's pretty intense. Spoiler warning: It's not an episode four. I happen to know that because, despite all my misgivings about the show, <laughs> I did not stop at episode three. Yeah, I, there there is an episode in this season. I know that there's an episode in this season where, well, first of all, you have to get to Daddy Winchester at some point, but you also have to keep people watching. So, like, you can't get to Daddy Winchester too quick. No, you can't. I th- you gotta, I, you gotta, I, I you gotta know. drag was, that out. <laughs> I was, uh, I was expecting some more. Um, JDM. Yeah, some, some, yeah, flashbacks maybe. Hmm. Well, you'll get that eventually if you keep watching. <laughs> I probably will because um, as weird as it is, um, for the moment, I- I'm going to say this show is good as a standby, you know, uh, with this monster of the week structure. It's just uh, you can you can just watch an episode and be done with it. Right. Many, many, many modern TV shows are very demanding, not only of your time. But also of your mental energy, because you have to uh, keep tabs on, on, on a plethora of characters and um and plot lines and there's like five or six plot lines in in a given episode that you somehow have to sort into a, a wider mythology and that's not happening in season one of supernatural they 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 follow their dad but other than that they they seem to be distracted by the the slightest hint of mystery yep it's it's very straightforward um, and I think they're, they're, that's they're, why they're it's almost so like oh, we got we got to look for a dad. We got to look for a dad. Oh, a woman in white. Oh, a, a <laughs> mysterious creature get abducting people in the woods. We got to go check that out, man. Well, as as and Dean great. says, I love that. Dean's like, we're gonna My kill and episode? hunt everything mm, mm, in tell between me, tell me. here and there, mm-hmm. but we're gonna find dad. You know, that's that's the premise <laughs> of the show. In that order. In that order. So. Um, the next two episodes are pretty fun on that. I mean, these these mysteries aren't that compelling in and of it of the, of themselves for the most part. But I mean, they're fun. I mean, the the second episode is a, a trip to the woods with uh, oh my god, so many uh, so many noteworthy guest stars in this episode. Um, I know. Uh, for starters, we have um, two. Um, Two actors, two series regulars from Battlestar Galactica. The first one I didn't get immediately because I didn't know where to put him, but this is Doc Hoddle, the the chain-smoking doctor from Battlestar Galactica. And one of uh, the Cylons uh, from Battlestar Galactica um, is also in this show. Uh, He's called Leoben on Battlestar Galactica. uh, And the actor is called Colm Keith Rennie, as far as uh, my research goes. Uh, and it, it was fun to see him again because there, basically every actor on, on Battlestar Galactica was amazing, and, and it's always fun to see them see them again. You'll see a lot of them on Supernatural because uh, Battlestar Galactica was filmed in Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of crossover there 
for mm-hmm. sure, um, in terms of the working relationships that were going on at the time. So you, there's a lot All of these crossover. Canadians. Yeah. I think filming with Canadians to sort of uh, circumvent uh, union regulations in Los <laughs> Angeles was a thing in the arts. <laughs> it's what they do with the international actors on shows like Game of Thrones now. So uh, to cut costs, we, 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 we take the Germans and the Danish and all these kinds of people. Um, but there's also someone I noticed... Um, um, did you spot the, the little boy Claws, in, in this episode, who that was? Could be a skinwalker. No, be a um, who is that's, the little that's, boy? That's Alan Ehrenreich. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What has he been in again? Ha, he's a new Han Solo. Oh, I didn't see that yes. movie. Nobody did. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Uh, but yeah, I I liked this episode a lot. Um, I thought this was a fun kind of like swashbuckling kind of ep. It was um, good and, creepy and, and, monster, um, especially as a Europe, especially as as a European. I always kind of I don't know why, but I always love it when they um, when when these these monsters somehow related to um, to to some. Native American mythology. I don't know why that get why that gets me, but it's maybe because it's it's so alien from from this side of the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, and, and that happens frequently. Actually, Wendigos are, are a frequent uh, type mm-hmm. of creature on this show, um, and then other uh, mythological creatures from Native American folk- folklore definitely do make an appearance. And I think that's all. That's that's always fun, always fun to see that. I I loved that when that happened on uh, on the X Files as well. Um, and this this starts a trend I was I, mean, I mentioned earlier where they where they hypothesize what the the monster of the week may be. <laughs> and then it turns out to be something completely different. Right. Uh, so this is another thing they have to. There's there's kind of like a rolodex of monsters that you have to go through <laughs> in Supernatural, um, and it, it's kind of like diagnosing an illness. Um, it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, like this this would fit the profile, but maybe this doesn't fit the profile for the Wendigo. It's like, well, I've never seen a Wendigo that come that came this far west. Um, because, you know, the tribe that it's associated with is not typically in this area. Uh, so it's, you know, one of those things where it's just like, uh, they, they have like a, a, a set number of monsters that they have to go through. Uh, and then mm-hmm. sometimes they learn about new monsters and that's when, when Sam will have to get on the Googles and explain the lore <laughs> with his instant he access to essentially goes Wi-Fi. on the supernatural wiki. Yeah, essentially. Um, but yeah, this was a fun episode. I think yeah, it's it's very straightforward. It's not super complex, but mm-hmm. it it has stakes, and it has some you know some good storytelling, and you also start to see the friction developing between uh, Sam and Dean. Uh, there's they're brothers, and they you know they get along somewhat well, but they definitely have very different ways of thinking about things. So Sam's like, why are we even out here? We should be looking for Dad. And we shouldn't be, like, helping these people. Uh, but Dean is mm-hmm. good old self-sacrificial Dean and wants to, wants to make a difference. And, and, and I'm, I was getting, like, um, so Sam is uh, starting a trend of uh, brooding about his uh, girlfriend in the fridge in this episode. And Dean is kind of, like, not having... He, he is he's not having it in a way. He's like, um, yeah, welcome to my world. I've been brooding since I was eight. 
Yeah, he's like, uh, I've been fucked up about mom. Don't pretend mom. like you invented brooding here. <laughs> I've been fucked up about mom since you were an infant, so like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's basically the, the vibe I was getting from him. Um, so, so that's a thing here. Uh, but I really love the fact that uh, this was... Um, as many, many, uh, I, I think uh, we'll be going to see for the next few episodes, is uh, a, an outdoors location shot, and it shows. It's just so such a different feeling than, um, uh, as, as I mentioned, uh, my wife is watching um, <laughs> Pretty Little Liars on, uh, or has been watching, she, she has finished Pretty Little Liars now. Right. Um, I think I'm going to get her hooked on Supernatural. Oh, you um, should. I will. Oh, it would be so um, fun. And this is um, this is generic CW studio lot right there. Oh, it <laughs> All is. The yeah, one hundred percent. There's nothing that feels naturalistic in that. At, at times, I was like, I, I was uh, watching her watching, and was like, this is definitely a, uh, this is definitely a, a set they reused from Gilmore Girls. Oh, for sure. And I would look that up, and it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, the CW they don't um, but, get but a but lot of money. But they're not doing that here. That's cool. I love that. Um, the the, the the haunted, uh, spooky forest really worked for me. Oh, it was great. Um, and the the idea that, you know, the Wendigo keeps its uh, prey alive is, like, particularly grotesque. Was, you know, there's some good stakes mm-hmm. in this episode. It doesn't have mm-hmm. a whole lot other than that. I, I found that the only thing I did during this episode, I didn't really take any notes because it was just kind of, you know, your, your standard monster of the week where we don't really learn too much about the, the overarching plot. I, I just played I just played drinking bingo. <laughs> That's all I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did when watching this episode? I looked up mid-2000s tech because there is a, a, lot, a lot of it, of it. in here. <laughs> Lots of flip yeah, phones um, and very, very heavy-looking laptops. <laughs> and very weird-looking. What I couldn't find was um, was this, um, was this was the weird handheld console slash cell phone like thingy they have oh, that's in, a the, satellite phone. in the code the, open yeah 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 so um those are things that i don't i don't know if they just didn't have them in europe at the time but um if you lived in an area that didn't have cell service there there are plenty of places still in the united states that are just so remote that mm-hmm. they don't have cellular service and they don't have internet so the only way to get internet um is via satellite so mm-hmm. um, and they and they mentioned that in in the episode that that's a satellite phone um so okay but they seem to know. be playing games on it well part. I don't... oh no that's a that's actually an old nintendo ds that's what the old ds used to look like yeah <laughs> no totally i had so one that's... of those Okay, so that, that's a part of tech I could not identify. What I could identify was, uh, for one, was uh, Sam's phone because, well, there's a really, really long article on the Supernatural Wiki about it. <laughs> I mean, these these fans, they never let you I love down. that I've gotten you to go to the Supernatural Wiki. This is like a great achievement <laughs> for me. <laughs> Bing! Achievement unlocked. Um, so that's a Palm Trio. Yes. Um, and he's using it effortless everywhere. And I think that was not a thing in 2005. So that really plays in your, uh, uh, your Wi-Fi everywhere. Um, <laughs> Instant <laughs> access to high-speed Wi-Fi. <laughs> and he's like, he's like uh, in another episode, he's, he's answering emails from his, from, his, uh, from his friends all the time. Like it's nothing oh, yeah. on, his, <laughs> on his old-timey 
um, minuscule um, mid-2000s pre-smartphone <laughs> with a stylus. And it's so cute. Oh, of course. Of course. And and how um, out of touch with the actual, or how uh, out of touch with the actual tech of the time that is, is uh, something I found out when I looked up the, the laptop that they're using. So what they're using is... Um, a Dell Inspiron 6000. Um, Man, those computers sucked. Mm -hmm. Those were the worst. So we had one of those. It had a 60 gigabyte hard drive. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. All kind of ports that no one has, <laughs> that everyone has forgotten at this, but VGA output, of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, you need one of those. Mm -hmm. And the best part is it had an uh, at least one version of it that had an internal 56K modem. Oh, so that's no. the kind of tech we're talking about here. Oh, that's the no. kind of tech where they're doing the Google and going on the Supernatural wiki to find out what monster they're facing at the moment. <laughs> I mean, there, there are a couple of things that you just have to accept about Supernatural. One of them is the instant access to high-speed Wi-Fi. The other one is every town in the United States is an hour or two away, which is not true. Like... One episode, they'll be in one place. And then the next episode, they'll be in a place that's like literally 800 miles away. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know how much time passes in between that. I'm, I'm, I'm giving a pass on that. Right. So you just kind of have to I'm give a pass that. on that. Um, but sometimes they travel that far within an episode. And that's when you're like, wait, mm -hmm. what the hell? Um, <laughs> and then the other thing that you have to accept is that somehow they have an unlimited cash flow due to credit card fraud. <laughs> yeah, apparently they just ride to the credit card company and pretend they're person X and they just get one or two cards. It's it's weird. This is a thing that is never explained um, and continues to be unexplained. And I'm in season 13. <laughs> <laughs> never goes away. You just have to accept that they have like unlimited resources. Don't don't that neither of them have jobs or like jobs in the conventional sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's um, I think if, I, I have an easy time uh, accepting this this kind of premise. Um, I mean, if there's just some underlying, if you know, if 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 a show has just one underlying sin that is just there and keeps the plot going, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So that's like the, the warp drive on Star Trek, or um, just things that you have to accept that one thing, and then you're good. Right, and it would be boring to to have to go into the details of like how they support themselves. Like, I don't want to see that. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to see that. So we yeah, just and I kind of don't want them opening a detective agency where people come with cases for them and things like that. Uh, that would be really weird. I although think. it worked for Angel. Yeah, but th that was with the Buffy Angel aesthetic. That was always they, they got to do things other shows couldn't for some reason. Um, yeah, I think I mean there's, there's you get a, a similar pass. thing. Um, I think if you, I mean, also if you if you signal your that you're in some kind of weirder world, you get to do a lot of things that other other shows can't. Have you seen the the, the recent Sabrina reboot on Netflix? I have not. Um, it does an interesting thing. Um, its whole set design is um, basically if you took um, an old timey, old timey spoopy cartoon and put it into um put it into uh, live action that's the aesthetic you would get so everything's really 50s every every tv looks like it's from the 50s um every set looks like it's from the 50s but apparently it, has, it kind of set it's set, it's set on modern day because they have cell phones and that's ah. just the thing that is so it's kind of that's that kind just, of reminds me of like uh, a show like legion legion takes place in modern day 
kind of. Mm-hmm. But it's in its own little mm-hmm. universe. It's very, very stylized, kind of like the 60s. Mm-hmm. The 60s or 70s, yeah. I would say. And mm-hmm. it really kind of takes place out of time. So that's like a universe yeah. thing. Although I, I would say Supernatural is a little more grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Or at least tries it's, to it's, be. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very the... Very, yeah, mid-2000s, basically. Right. Um, but um, I think that's something you can, you can, you can do if you put... If you signal that this is not reality, you can get away with a lot more stuff. True. And I think that's why like things like EMF readers and like some of some of the like tech that they use to like go ghost hunting and, and whatnot. <laughs> um, that stuff doesn't really bother me as much because it's it's the same as it would be in like, I don't know, the Ghostbusters universe. Um, mm-hmm. This is just like an accepted part of like supernatural elements are an accepted part of this universe. Mm-hmm. So if that's what we're going for, then that that kind of stuff doesn't really bother me as much. Yeah, I wish they'd gotten a little more esoteric on that one. I guess um, I wish for I, I I would have wished for a little more low tech approach to the whole thing because I'm kind of allergic to to fake science stuff. Um, yeah, I mean fake science stuff um, is, is not is not great. We're very science oriented because so we're Trekkies. Yeah, and I mean the EMF is basically the uh, reverse flux tachyon beam of supernatural. I think. <laughs> right. It's just like a it's just like a a blanket that helps us yeah. <laughs> uh, helps us move things going. Um, yeah. But I yeah th- that stuff doesn't really bother me th- that much because uh, and and you'll see it in later episodes if you continue to watch um, there are sufficiently low tech things. Um, I guess mm-hmm. like the most common uh, tools of the trade are actually like salt is one of them. And um, speaking Latin, I think. Yeah, well, speaking Latin, of course. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, so I, as, I, as I said, I did watch ahead. Um, the original deal for the, for this kind of thing, when, when we do our thing with uh, with the TV shows, like we watch three episodes and then we decide if we want to watch more. Um, and I I just couldn't. I, I I needed to I needed to see more. Um, yes. So I watched the yes. next two or three episodes. <laughs> there's <laughs> and there's there's uh, there's an episode where. Um, People with uh, fear of flying get possessed by a demon, and uh, they talk to the demon in Latin a lot. And the, yes. That does the trick. They pin it down and speak Latin to it. I, apparently, demons really don't like Latin. <laughs> that's that's what we figured out. Um, this is also where, though, like Supernatural starts to forget its own canon. Like early in early seasons, there are specific ways to deal with demons and how to exercise them. Um, and then mm-hmm. later on, that's not used so much. Um, and usually exercising a demon kills the host, um, which is, mm-hmm. is the big bummer about being possessed. Um, it's really difficult to get the demon to leave without killing the host. Um, and mm-hmm. then and later, we figure out a way to do that, um, you know, to save the person who has been possessed. Uh, but it's, it's on shaky logical ground. I would say we're not here <laughs> for the logic of this show because the logic doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. We're here for the fun, you know, swashbuckling adventures with underlying family drama and angst and daddy issues. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Don't think about it too much. It's not, it's one of those shows you gotta, you gotta just like back off on the brain a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think um, 
I think they dial it back a little on the emo man pain in, in those first few episodes. I expect a little bit more emo man pain, but but I think that's that's oh going to be uh, a going concern. Just you wait. How, how how long how long do I have to wait for more emo man pain? Um, uh, let me let me. I need to check and see what episode this is. Hold on, I'm googling. I'm making the sounds for that. Very realistic, I know. not this one which episode is it when does daddy winchester show up Mostly, mostly all of the the uh, emo man pain revolves around one of the Winchesters uh, coming close to death or dying. Um, that's so, that's so that when everything that goes to hell. I was kind of getting that. Uh, yeah. So, so one of the things that I got when I was googling is um, is uh, so Google shows you these questions that people have asked about the thing you just googled, <laughs> and a lot of is uh, a lot of these questions are. Is Sam dead? Is Dean dead? <laughs> it happens quite frequently, I will say. <laughs> um, that's that's where the main conflict happens. Uh, okay, so Daddy Winchester shows up. Oh man, you gotta wait till like episode. Well, he he shows up, but he he leaves again. Well, he's a rotten daddy. You, we we established that. He's the worst dad. Oh, here we go. Um, so you, you get a lot of Daddy Winchester near the end of season one. I would say starting with episode 20 um, all the way to, well, maybe maybe there's a, one earlier episode, I think, where you see him. And then uh, if you make it to episode 22, you're left on a cliffhanger that brings you to season two, episode one, which is probably the most emo man pain i've ever seen (laughs) it's peak emo man it is peak emo man pain and it it is mostly because uh the ending to season one uh, really is a cliffhanger that comes out of nowhere um and it's really good actually that that transition into season two if i had been watching it as it was airing i would be pissed to have to wait (laughs) to find out what happens because it is so (laughs) jarring Uh, i think i started watching the show and by the time I started watching it, uh, we were already on like season eight or nine. Oh no, actually uh, mm-hmm. earlier than that. I think we were on like season seven. Mm-hmm. So I've been, Ooh, I've been with this so- show a long time. <laughs> that's a long, long time. Well, it's, it's, it's very easy. It's one of these shows that's very easy to have been watching for a long time because ha- it has been around for a long time. The show has been on the air without interruption since 2005. Um, they just this had is, their this, 300th episode. This is insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, I think the other thing that's, that really appeals to me about it is, similar to The X-Files, it has a very like warm, blankety kind of feel. Like mm-hmm. It's a nice show to... like turn off your brain to when you come home from work like mm-hmm. you can just watch a couple of episodes and you don't have to really like invest a whole lot of your brain energy into it 
Um, it's not that it's not uh, a show that affects you. Like I feel like I, there are emotional notes that it hits that are pretty compelling, but it, it's it's not super complicated. It's not like Game of Thrones, you know, or or mm-hmm. even like Star Trek Discovery season one, where I'm like, I look at my phone for five seconds and all of a sudden I have no idea what's happening. Who's that guy? <laughs> um, you want to pause oh, yeah. for one second? The, the, I'm the, get the latter day Game of Thrones is a show you better not think about, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's what it's just you know, Game of Thrones. It's I, a lot. I'm, I'm officially over Game of Thrones. I think. Really, I think I think it's kind of outstayed yeah. its welcome. I'm, I'm glad it's it's ending now. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm less mad at Game of Thrones and I'm more mad at the Game of Thrones of of every show I watch now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The like grim, dark kind of thing. Like I, I blame Game of Thrones for the way that disco season one ha- panned out, which was terrible. It's an easy standby uh, for shows to go to. And that's, I, I think that's one of the, the reasons that, I, I actually felt that uh, shows like other uh, Supernatural was felt like a, a breath of fresh air for me. Going back to that time where that was not uh, the way things were handled, it, it's so refreshing. And it's nice to so have it, like you know when you have the freedom to have maybe twenty to twenty five episodes in a season, you get to have. I mean, I guess some people would call them filler, but I would call them just like bottle episodes, where. You get like a fun little story in in forty five minutes that maybe doesn't affect the greater plot, um, but it's just mm. like a fun ride. Like not everything has to be like uh, explosions and doom and gloom and like all this stuff happening. I find that really exhausting. Like by the time I was finishing Disco season one, I was exhausted. <laughs> so is there a point in this show where you would say? Yo, casual viewer, this is where you should probably stop. So this is actually a very controversial question um, because uh, Supernatural fans either are, they're kind of divided. So uh, the show was only written to last about five seasons. um, And that's very apparent from the way that the Mm storyline goes. If you you make it all the way to season five, um, it's clear that, you know, they weren't really anticipating the show to continue past that point. Um, but it got greenlit again. Um, and so they just started, you know, making new storylines. I don't particularly hate seasons six through, I would say six through nine. Um, there's some, you know, not so great writing <laughs> at some points. <laughs> um, but it's still, I personally really enjoyed, there is an underlying um, uh, plot that goes over several seasons. Um, we still keep the kind of monster of the week format, but similar to the X-Files, there'll be clues and, or some episodes will, will, um, speak directly to the mythology of the series, um, and the underlying Mm -hmm. plot there. Uh, I particularly love that sort of stuff. Um, and if you don't love that, then you're probably not going to like continuing further, um, with the Mm -hmm. series. Then I would say I, for me, things really started to take a a downturn, (laughs) In seasons like 10, uh, 10 and 11 are really bad. I just like don't know how, to, I don't know how else to say it. I, I don't particularly care for them. The writing is bad. Um, they really forget their own canon left and right. They make some interesting writing choices and then don't follow through with them. Um, 
And it also how many it, women are in the fridge by that point? Oof, uh, a lot. At least uh, how many? How many people have we killed at that point? Like named major characters and not just one-offs. I mean, there there are plenty of women that get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a thing that happens all the time that you have to accept with supernatural. Um, there's also plenty of men that get murdered, but of people that are like named series regulars and, and that consistently are on the show. Um, you only get a handful of female characters. You get a bunch more male characters. Um, and of those few, uh, they all, all die. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then they they bring in, I can't remember where they bring in the Wayward Sisters. Uh, the Wayward Sisters are kind of an attempt to uh, too many dicks on the dance floor, um, <laughs> trying <laughs> trying to get some more women on the show, um, but in a non-threatening way. Uh, and by non-threatening, I mean uh, Supernatural's viewers did not take kindly to any love interests that either Sam or Dean had in the first five seasons. Um, so those characters you'll see come in and then they quickly leave. Um, either they <laughs> die or um, more often than not, it's just like, can't can't live this dangerous life with the bros. You know, like, gotta, gotta keep the women safe, um, you know, sort of thing. Or they're evil. You know, that's that's another that's another trope that happens <laughs> frequently. Um, it's like, oh, we're having a great time. Oh, my God, you're a demon. How did that happen? Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, Supernatural's got a big lady problem. And I don't think any fan would dispute that. Uh, I think that it's it's kind of a, a wart on, on the show's good, good graces that you have to accept uh, in order to continue watching it. There are particular deaths that I think killed my love for the show in those seasons. Um, one in particular was a, a recurring character that had a particularly needless death, I, I thought. Um, and it was actually brought up at a, at a Comic-Con panel. And all of the actors literally like backed away. <laughs> from like the writers and producers and we're like, you get to explain why that happened. <laughs> like we're not taking part in this. Um, so yeah, it, it's certainly something that fans are aware of and uh, it, it is something that has been discussed at length. I think the newer seasons of the show are trying to remedy that again through the wayward sisters, which are um, more, I would say more maternal figures to the boys um, as opposed to uh, love interests. Uh, and then there's also mm -hmm. some younger female characters that are considered more like siblings. Um, and that works to a certain extent, but it, it does feel a little tacked on. Like they don't, they're not really given very interesting storylines, but that's not what we're here for. Again, we're here for the man pain. We are here <laughs> <laughs> exclusively for emo tears of man pain. And that just gets in the way, you know, like we got to keep going, got to keep going. Um, <laughs> Maybe, maybe, uh, but but do the, the uh, does doth the women folk um, bring the man pain as well? So uh, is that uh, a common source of man pain? As well? Interestingly enough, the Wayward Sisters are not really a source of man pain. Usually, uh -huh. um, that that's not a thing anymore. I think people were consistently. This is another thing. So the the fandom is very very active and also very vocal. So there are. There's a specific convention similar to they have like Star Trek conventions. There is a specific supernatural convention that travels around the United States whenever they are not filming. 
Um, and so you get to ask questions to writers and creators and actors consistently and often. Um, and, and those are, are often discussed in the community uh, frequently. So I think they started to catch on that using women's plot lines, especially after this particular death that upset me, um, it, it's, it's not a good look in, you know, 2017 through 2019. Like, it, it doesn't fly like it used to in the early aughts. Um, and people are, are not very generous to it anymore, especially because the, the fan base is, is let's, let's face it, like 99% female. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think they're trying to remedy that by including more female characters that have a stronger presence and are not, but they're not romantic interests. Uh, and I think they did that very, like the, the character that I'm specifically thinking about that other fans will know, um, is, I mean, she's, she ends up, she's gay. Like she's not interested in the boys. Um, so that's how mm-hmm. they kind of get around that. But I mean, you know, it, it, it definitely became a thing for a while and, and people were not happy about it. Um, the, the fandom was super unhappy about it. I think there are people that really long for uh, the golden age, as, as we call it, seasons one through five, which have a very consistent look and feel. And they also have a very consistent storytelling style. Um, and then there are the later seasons, which some people are kind of torn about. Like, I know some people really hate season eight and season nine. Um, I, I don't particularly think those are, are bad. They're kind of in the same vein. Um, but I, I do think, that, I mean, if you watched, <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but if you watch like the first episode of season 13, it is a completely different show. <laughs> like it doesn't even, it doesn't look the same, doesn't sound the same. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the themes are still there, but it's like it's grown into a different kind of animal. So I understand why people left it. And I left it for a good long while. I will say I only got back on the supernatural train, like, I don't know, last year. And I hadn't watched it Mm -hmm. since, uh, since season 11. So I had to catch up on two seasons. I guess, I guess a lot of long runners have to do that. Um, you probably can't do the same thing over and over for 13 or 14 years going at, at some points you, either change it up or you do the same thing in a weird way that's also upset, up, uh, upsetting to people. So yeah, that's, that's I, a problem. You you just have, that's a luxury problem you have in that kind of situation. Yeah, and I think the it, it was never enough to alienate the fan base because obviously the show is still running. <laughs> um, but I do think that uh, we, you run into some major writing problems after Kim Manners dies. Um, so Kim Manners, mm. uh, who is a, uh, a director, many, many episodes of Supernatural um, and the X-Files passed away, um, I think sometime sometime in that golden age period. And there's a, there's a significant tonal shift that happens after mm. that. Um, and I, I think you can see the quality start to degrade. Um, <laughs> but I will say, um, so season 12 won me back after like two or three seasons of absolute mediocrity and and some things that were like absolutely enraging um and then uh season 13 really really brings up brings the ante back up in a really interesting way and refreshes the whole show in a way that is uh compelling um still has a touch of the women must die we get another woman in the fridge (laughs) in that season which is it's not a good look 
Um, it's, <laughs> it's really not a good look supernatural. You got to stop doing that. But, uh, and, and that does serve as a, uh, as a, a vehicle for emo man pain. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's one of those shows you're, you're kind of a ride or die with it or you're not. And I think it's something that will be a consistent, like until that show goes off the air, I'll probably watch every last episode of it. <laughs> Even if it's garbage, it, just to like it, bitch about it. Is it, is it showing any signs of stopping at, at this point? No, in time? we're on season 14 right now. Uh, I don't know. Uh, season 14 is airing right now. I don't know if it's completed. Mm -hmm. I think we're in the middle of season 14, actually. Um, I, I just finished 13, so I still have to catch up to 14. Um, but no, it doesn't, it doesn't show any, sh any signs of stopping. I think we're going to get a season 15. <laughs> and it's bonkers because this is like one of the few shows that's still around that isn't like, um, an anthology series or prestige series. So there are like, you know, 20 to 25 episodes in a season. Like the volume of it is insane. Yeah, and it's, it's not on the, on the, on, on a big network. No big network either. So I mean, this is this is a, a, a niche show in the end. I mean, it's a niche show, but if you look at the streaming, I think this is it, this is a show that only exists in the age of streaming because I don't think that the ratings, the live ratings, are that good for Supernatural. Um, but the streaming ratings are, are phenomenal. Um, it is one of the top ten most streamed shows on Netflix ever. Um, And I think Grey's Anatomy also makes that list a little bit higher, um, but it's still on the list. So there, there's certainly something compelling there. One other thing that I wanted to talk about um, is, because we talked a little bit about the, the community, um, similar, similar to Star Trek, Supernatural has a community, like a very strong fan base that's pretty well knit together. And I think that also uh, plays into the, the show's longevity. Um, there is a whole cottage industry, um, around, uh, convention show appearances. There is consistent chatter on social media all the time about this show. Um, and that's why I think it's a show that wouldn't exist outside of the current context and the media landscape that we have now. Um, I think, uh, it was a compelling show, you know, for the golden age and it was compelling enough to keep getting renewed. Uh, but I don't think that it would be on season 14 <laughs> um, if it weren't for the, the very large internet fan community that has has really grown up around the show. Um, I, I tried to ask uh, my group chat. We have a supernatural group chat um, just for us SVN fans. Um, oh, I didn't get any responses. I, I tried to, to pull the ladies in the group. Um, they're all women. <laughs> In case that was a mystery. Um, <laughs> Narrator, it was not. Like, why Why they keep watching the show? Um, because we all know that it has problems. And yet we're all still, we're still on, on the train. Um, and we still love the show dearly. Like, even if you've dropped off uh, from watching the newer seasons, most people would still consider themselves Supernatural fans. Um, so it, it's interesting to me... Uh, that that fan community is so strong and it, it ranges in age from like people in their 50s to like, you know, teenagers. <laughs> it's it's really wild. They, the, they, all met, they all want their emo man pain. Oh, we do. Um, we just the, the relationship between Sam and Dean and then we add more men to the mix. 
<laughs> we add in we add in Castiel, which doesn't come in. I don't think Castiel shows up for, for until season four. Um, I I think that's when the show really takes off, in my opinion, because I'm I'm a Destiel shipper forever. Dean Castiel <laughs> together, they have a bond that can never be broken. Um, it just gets stronger and stronger, and that emo man pain just gets even more fuel to the fire. And the stakes get <laughs> so big. Like, we're talking, like, not just, like, end of the world. We're talking, like, end of... Well, there's a lot of end of the world. Um, but there's also <laughs> really, really high emotional stakes as well. Oh, boy. Why am I getting into that? Um, <laughs> get ready. So is that uh, a heavy... Um, uh, heavy fan fiction slash fiction kind of fandom. There is so much fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I've not seen. So, there is probably more fan fiction for Supernatural. I would. I, I can't get at any numbers on this, but uh, amongst like Super Hulak, I, I think Supernatural probably takes the cake simply in in number of episodes and and things that you have to mine. There's so much fan fiction. So much shipping, a lot of actually internal conflict in the community itself over what is problematic, also over um, kind of defending the actors and the writers and their choices. Um, it's a it's a fiery community, and it can sometimes be toxic uh, in, in the ways that other fandoms have have become t uh, toxic. I think it's an interesting fandom to be a part of. Uh, and it, it's one that I, I kind of sit back with my popcorn and, <laughs> and watch from afar. Uh, I don't take, I don't take part in any of the, the really, uh, upsetting stuff. One thing that has come up consistently is, uh, I don't know if you know this kind of like meta form of shipping. Um, so I, I, I know that you've said that like shipping is, seems to be a, an American phenomenon. <laughs> Maybe it is. I, I, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not. I think somebody else said that uh, in response to me confessing that I personally don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if that's true. I would say maybe it's an. It's a. I don't know, uh, an English-speaking <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> but uh, the the thing that I think is the most controversial in the community right now and has been for a while. The first thing, of course, is is the lady problem. Um, and, and the way that Supernatural treats its female characters with little to no respect at all. Um, and then the other thing is this meta kind of shipping where younger fans have started to ship the actors together as opposed to their characters together, um, oh which, which is problematic <laughs> in a lot of ways uh -huh. and is something that makes actors uncomfortable when it's brought up. Um, in, at conventions and you'll, and you'll hear people actively like hiss and boo whenever that, that is, uh, presented to them. Uh, and I agree with that. It's that like, almost like, um, like, like a professional wrestling kind of thing. Yeah. It, well, and it's this idea. So I, I forget what it's called in professional wrestling. There's like a, a, a specific idea of like, uh, understanding the fictional nature of mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. um, but being invested no matter what that mm -hmm. is yeah what is it called it's called like Faye something I, I listened to a whole podcast about this um but I think it's it's that distinction that distinguishes kind of uh the toxic fandom from uh the 
relatively non-toxic fandom. Like I said, this is this is a fandom that is full of people that are very opinionated about things um, and, and very opinionated, not just about the show, but opinionated about the people that make it. Um, and I think because the actors make themselves so available to fans uh, in a very real mm-hmm. way, there's a lot of um, conflict over, you know, their their personal brands and like their personal personas, which is is kind mm-hmm. of strange, um, which is unique, I think, to Supernatural. And I don't think you have the same degree of that with other shows. I mean, I could be I could be mistaken, but um, I don't think any other show has made like gosh, there's a I feel like there's a Supernatural convention literally like every other week, <laughs> like or at least once a month. <laughs> Um, they're everywhere. Like we had one in New Orleans. I didn't go. Um, they've, they've had them all over the country. They, they have multiple supernatural conventions every year. So, and it's really all you're paying for is access to the stars, um, and to be able to ask them questions. So there's this wealth of video and stuff about them just like, not just talking about the show, but talking about their relationships outside of the show with each other. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting dynamic, and I think sometimes it, it's a little too familiar and a little too close, and that's why mm. people get upset. Yeah, at some point it, it must be really. Um, I mean, you you must feel as an actor, you must feel like you've struck gold when um, when you're on a show like Supernatural, because um, I feel having a steady gig is uh, the holy grail to attain as an actor. Um, but it must feel really weird after a time, especially if you're on a show that has such a super engaged and sometimes weird fandom um, to be so associated with uh, with your role and, and this fandom. Because this your job is not being an actor in Supernatural. Your job is Supernatural. That That is your company. And that right. must be so weird for an actor. It, it must be really strange. I think they both love it and hate it. Um, I think it... it kind of has its benefits and its uh, drawbacks. Um, but I think something that, uh, and you can see a, a general shift in the show. The actors now are, are getting up there in age. Um, Jensen Ackles, you know, just turned 40. So they, you know, have families and wives and, and you know, kids. They uh, have started to, instead of, it's still similar to our Monster of the Week formula in some ways, the current show, but it also has a home base now instead of just like mm-hmm. constantly being on the road. And I think that kind of tonal shift comes at the, I mean, from the very real world thing of like, most of these actors now are fathers. <laughs> like they can't really be away that frequently um, from their family. Mm. So they need like, a set place where we can do, you know, 10 scenes in a day, as opposed to, you know, trying to do all of this like on-site location kind of stuff. So the, mm-hmm. the pace of the show kind of really slows down. <laughs> Although that, I, I, I always thought that that was Vancouver was all about, that you could do basically all of the North American continent <laughs> uh, in like one city. It's true. I mean, it's got enough geographic diversity that, you know, that's that's the benefit. And it's not like they never leave. They have like the central location called the bunker um, that starts to become a thing, I think in like season nine, eight or nine. Um, and then that becomes like a central part of the show. And I, I definitely, the reason I hated the seasons that came after that is because it kind of loses some of its energy that way, but I get why they did it. Like, 
I mean, you you're you can't be running around all the time <laughs> when you're filming mm. the show, <laughs> especially after you've been doing it for so many years. Mm. Um, so it, it's just an efficiency sort of thing. As I feel like you know, other shows do the same sort of thing. You know, you run out of budget and you have to use uh, your resources efficiently. Um, and in this case, the resources are are actors. So um, I have um, tried to watch this show in German. Oh Lord. I can't wait to hear about this. I was in Germany. I teleconferenced Tobias. 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 I tried. I didn't even last the whole episode because um, it's been going interesting going from um, watching the German dub of a, a feature film and a big budget feature film at like that um, and going to like a mid budget. TV show that's I don't think been bought um, the the license for um, with a lot of faith in the property when it <laughs> when it started out back in the day. So what we're getting is just really cookie cutter run of the mill, um, especially the casting for the voice actors. Just it's n it's not what you'd get in a feature film. I, I never I never realized that there was a difference, but now that uh, coming back to dubs after like not having seen one in a decade and now seeing these two very different dubs back to back um, made me realize that because um, there is a quality to uh, really big name uh, voice actors in terms of how they modulate their voice and how they um, how how they play different emotions that um, as far as the medium goes is really naturalistic and these TV voice actors they don't do that <laughs> they're just like um, they hyper compress each time they get emotional, they kind of hyper-compress uh, their voice and it sounds like um, really bad. I mean, we even dub our porn movies here and it oh sounds like Oh my God. That. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, no. How we used to when there was such a thing as movies. Damn. Um, and it... Especially in the in, in the opening uh, in the cold open of of the pilot episode, um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, <laughs> I don't think they knew Jeffrey Dean Morgan was going to be a thing um, <laughs> back in the day, so they just cut, cast someone, and he's just um, it's so cheap. Uh, the the whole the whole feeling, uh, the whole vibe it gives off is is is, is so cheap. I mean, I get why because this is really this is not a show that you. Um, but I expect to see a lot of eyes eyes on um, at at the beginning, so I get why they did that. But it's still be wider ring to watch, and I I didn't get to that through that uh, full episode because it's just so so off putting. Um, something else they thankfully did is uh, they did get the same voice actor that um, that voiced Jared Padalecki on the Gilmore Girls to uh, reprise reprise him on this show. Oh, that's interesting. Which is also not a thing that um, that is happening all the time. So you can't take that for granted. Um, a lot, a, a lot of big name actors have um, one voice actor um, who always voices them, but that doesn't necessarily always have to be the case. For some reasons, that might change uh, from time to time. And some of these voice actors uh, have um, uh, have several actors that they regularly voice so that gets kind of weird right um so there's 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 a little little overlap um that you see different actors with the same voice 
on television and and on film and it's it's a really weird feeling I watch a lot of dubbed entertainment uh, from Japan, and I find that the dubs for TV shows tend to TV shows and and lesser known films tend to be so awful that they're almost unwatchable. But I do find uh, a company like Disney, who now bought out the rights to Studio Ghibli, the the largest animation house and the most popular in Japan, um, they have A list actors doing their their voice acting. So, you know, you get Emily Blunt, you get uh, Christian Bale, you know, you have literally some of the top actors uh, in America doing voiceover acting for a particular movie. And those dubs work well. They work really well and surprisingly well, especially because I'm such a purist when it comes to stuff like that. Everything else is garbage, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, like only when you have the kind of Disney budget to do something like that, I think, is it worthwhile? Yeah. And, and I think um, anim- animation is uh, still a different kind of animal because um, it is um, in its very nature voice acted. Right. So that um, that's that's not the case with with uh, the live actor show where there's always the element of uh, being there in the moment. That's that's always missing in a dub, and I think you can feel that. No matter how great how, how great um, how many effort they put into the dub, and how um, how how great the talent they have on board is, that's always going to be a factor. What is wrong with people? Do they not like like? It's not that hard to read subtitles. <laughs> like I don't I don't understand why we still do this. I don't get it. I don't get it really. Um, I mean, most of Europe does not do this. Um, most European countries uh, just subtitle and are pretty happy about that. Um, but I think um, at this point, the, I think this this is a, the, a case of path dependency. There was this point in time where where um, people thought that <laughs> um, that a dub was necessary and, uh, and they had the money in the market in Germany to do it because it is, for a small country, it's a big country, so to speak. Um, so there's a lot of eyeballs. Um, and at some point people, the, your audience is just going to get used to that. I think it's changing a bit with streaming and DVD because, um, and especially with the golden age of television where people want to watch a new episode of a new show as soon as they possibly can. And the only way to do that for many people is to watch an undub version because who's going to make the dub in that short amount of time. Um, so um, I think that's changing. Over the last 10 to 15 years, um, it has become cool to say that you don't watch dubs uh, for a lot of people. So that it's, it's, uh, less, it's become less and less of the, of the default to, to, to watch uh, a movie like that. Oh, that's that. lazy. A lot of people still do. But I think at, at this point, it's going to be hard to get rid of them because it's just so ingrained in, in our mode of, uh, of consuming culture. Um, but um, something else I noticed with this dub is um, it's particularly lazy um, as far as translations are concerned because um, there's many, many, many little little things um, that just don't. But you, you see, whoever wrote that has not has not put any has not put in any effort. Uh, for instance, there's there's one point the the first scene where Sam and Dean are meeting meeting again uh, and they're listening to the recording where um, Sam immediately spots uh, some uh, some EMV in the background um, 
And Dean says, um, oh, it turns out it's like riding a bike. Um, to point out that, uh, that Sam hasn't done this in a long, long time and still spotted it instantly. And uh, in the German dub, it's just... Um, das hast du ja gesagt wie ein Experte. So uh, in, in English, translated back to English, it would be like spoken like a true expert. And that robs this moment of everything it's supposed to convey. And it's so lazy. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's not like... Um, like um like like riding a bike is not um a commonly used metaphor in german because it is so i don't get that at all so um yeah it's even as far as dubs go this was a bad one <laughs> and i'm really glad i don't I, i don't have to watch it anymore that was that was really that was really not fun Well, yes, but I'm afraid I prematurely shot my wad. No, I'm afraid I just blew myself. It's interesting to me that even though you're kind of lukewarm on the show, that you continue to watch it and seem like you want to continue to watch it. Is that the case? It is, yeah. Interesting. Why would you say that is? Are you still intrigued? Um, I guess I guess I'll just have this. Um, I think there's a place in my heart for uh, a Monster of the Week show, and that that place is vacant right now. Right. So. Supernatural fills that mold. That it just it just works for me, um, and um, well, I, as I am famously a quitter when it comes to my media, but I'm still I still give the benefit of the doubt. There's something here that I want to see unfold. Definitely, and I think uh, season one in particular. I, I thought that the first three episodes of this show probably more than other shows that I've watched, um, while it does kind of get off to a somewhat rote sort of start, it does set up the world pretty efficiently, especially the pilot does, um, mm -hmm. in a way that doesn't feel super exposition-y, um, like where two characters have a conversation where it's just like, let us explain all of the things that are important to the show. It, it seems relatively natural, and that only continues throughout the rest of the season. I would say there are big rewards for, for finishing season one, and I don't know if I could say that about it any other show. I couldn't even say that about shows that I love, like, you know, uh, Buffy season one is rough. You're saying that uh, Xander's becoming a hyena? I don't know. Supernatural's an easy ride for season one. It's not perfect by any means, but it's definitely, like, easy, fun, don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And then it ends on a note that, that really does compel you to watch more. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, I'm going to stick to it because it's just, um, it's fun to watch at the, mo at the moment. And um, uh, I think um, some, I mean, I, I kind of enjoy this, um, um, this superficial approach to, uh, to supernatural world building so to speak so this i love this trope when they uh, meet the demon in like episode five or something like that and of course uh the demon hates that they're speaking in latin and this it's so <laughs> it's so stupid in a way but that's also what makes it fun because right. there's no there's no reason that um a demon would hate latin right other than that it's aesthetically the, the connected to the church but who gives a shit It's what's so interesting to me about Supernatural is that it is so... So I grew up Catholic um, and it is so connected to Catholic iconography and mythology, um, but it is 
also like strangely divorced from that. <laughs> like it, it, it's both very close and very far. Um, it's like secondhand Catholicism. Yeah, it, it's kind of this weird thing. Like they never outright uh, call it out for what it is. Uh, Catholicism in general, I would say, is, is the more mythological of all the Christian sub genres. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah. It has a lot of more of the like mysticism and magic um, of like old pagan times than probably any of the other flavors of Christianity that you get. And that's what makes it so, you know, rife for stories like these. Um, but it's yeah. never specifically called out. And it's also, even now that we're in... So I kept, like, look, on this show, we have seen archangels, we have seen angels, we have seen demons, we have seen Satan, we have seen uh, kings of hell, demons, uh Lilith shows up at some point <laughs> <laughs> and yet God also shows up and is actually a central character. <laughs> <laughs> so we have like literally the entire pantheon of Catholic mythological creatures. Jesus ain't showed up. Jesus ain't there. <laughs> and I think that's a very specific American thing because if you were to bring in Jesus Everybody who is A, not Catholic, and, and B, like evangelical, I think would stop watching the show immediately because it seems too blasphemous. But because Catholicism is so mystic already, all these other things, fine. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, we, we get like fucking God in here at some point. <laughs> Literally. Like you never thought, I never thought in a show that would be a thing you would see, especially in this show. Uh, but... God is a recurring character. Such a weird thing is to say. Is it like turning up and everyone's like, hey, sup, God? Literally, though. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, like, I want to spoil some things for you because they're just so funny. Um, the way that we talk to each other in the in the supernatural fandom is hilarious because we'll be like, uh, you know, like, Lucifer just, like, he really gets a bad rap. Like, he's, like, bad, but, like, not that bad. I mean, angels are dicks. Like, they're a bunch of dickheads. <laughs> it's just so strange coming from a Catholic upbringing to talk about, like, these <laughs> deities this way. <laughs> like, like, oh, fucking angels. They're a bunch of assholes. Fuck you, man. Any moron with a pack of matches can set a fire. Raining down sulfur is like an endurance trial. Mass genocide is the most exhausting activity one can engage in, next to soccer. Comically like that, and it, and Supernatural eventually does have this uh, one of those TV tropes of um, the bureaucratic afterlife. You know, like heaven is a is a company or like a corporation mm -hmm. uh, that you frequently see because apparently Americans can't conceive of an afterlife that isn't also capitalist. <laughs> 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 so there's certainly an element of that as well. Um kind of excited to see whether or not I'll, I'll warm up to to a leading duo in this show because um there might be something i just haven't seen it yet but maybe um maybe i'm just not as I, I, I gotta be open to the idea as well that maybe i'm just not as receptive to the emo man pain that maybe the emo man pain doesn't have this uh uh this this value this appeal to me it has a kind of catharsis i think if you're a woman and you've walked through life as a woman, there is something that's just massively appealing about male emotional vulnerability because you see it very infrequently in your day-to-day -day life. 
And so seeing it on screen and seeing it portrayed so frequently <laughs> is something that is uh, incredibly cathartic and also like gives you, I don't know, some kind of like emotional nourishment that I feel like you're not getting elsewhere, right? Even if it's in a fictional context, <laughs> which is a, a this is so sad. <laughs> This episode has been brought to you by Why Are Men? <laughs> exactly. Which is, it's strange for me to say about a show that also has problematic elements, right? Uh-huh. But I think, I really think the emotional core of the show is about male vulnerability and how appealing that is, uh, especially to women um, who, you know, never get to see that also also our, our boys have a very strong moral compass which is is nice to see uh they they bend the rules every once in a while but it's always out of love always because of the feelings <laughs> right uh yeah it's it's very compelling um and i and i think that's what keeps us keep keep on going we all just want to see that more of it because we just don't get any of that not only in our our media diet but in, in real life as well. That's just sad. Yeah, that's like a really low bar, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a really low bar. Um. <laughs> I find it really funny. And I, I also know a lot of uh, queer people that love this show, um, which is interesting because it's also, it's also another one of the controversies of the show is that it's been accused of queer baiting, where you have two characters that if they were, you know, a man and a woman would have canonically been in a relationship by now, simply by virtue of the amount of scenes that they're in together, the emotional bond between the two of them. But because they're of the same sex, that never really comes to fruition, but it is always teased as such. Supernatural is especially guilty of this. <laughs> um, once, once Castiel comes into the picture, I think it's like a classic example of queer baiting there is always this kind of flirtation between the two of them and a very strong emotional bond that never goes beyond just friendship um, or family, I guess. It has more of, they, they frame it as familial. But even within the script, and the actors themselves have confirmed this, uh, there are often screen directions of they I fuck <laughs> in, in those words. So it's, it's not like they don't know what they're doing. It, and queer baiting is specifically it's a it's a tactic to get a queer audience to watch the show and wait for this relationship to become canonical when it never will. And that's how you keep them going. And without actually having to put out in, in that parlance. Right. Without ever, you know that it will never become canon. Like I I know in my heart, deepest heart of hearts that Dean and Castiel are never getting together. But that doesn't stop me from watching because their chemistry on screen is is apparent. If one of them were female, this would have already been a thing seasons ago. I think even both of them would have worked, but two men on television, oh, yuck. Well, and especially in a show like this that is so supposedly hyper-masculine um, and, and trying to portray <laughs> that sort of vibe. Um, but I, I think that that's another big controversy within the fandom is like whether or not... Uh, the queer baiting deserves are, uh, should we ignore it or should we challenge it? And I think uh, different fans have their, their different takes on that. I think it's kind of a crime 
that it hasn't come to fruition, but it's not going to stop me from watching the show. I know that it's never going to co- come to fruition, <laughs> but that's like 90% of why I'm here. <laughs> I got queer baited and I took the bait. I, I loved that bait and I still love that bait. I'll still keep coming back. <laughs> that that tasty bait. <laughs> they knew what I wanted and they oh, gave man. it to me. <laughs> what am I getting into here? What am I what am I getting into here? You'll see I mean, it once I, once it happens, it is very clear what is happening. Like I don't even have to edit scenes. Like I could literally just put scenes in front of you and you don't have to edit them at all. And you're just like, what is going on here? <laughs> I mean going going forward, uh it will be it will be very hard for me to to not see this show uh through the goggles you just have put on on, on my eyes. <laughs> well, that doesn't happen until like season four. Season four or five. I, I think it's four when we first meet. But Castiel. I will also not be able um, to see the emo man painting quite the same the same way I I, I would have I would have seen it uh, had we not talked about this show beforehand. So yeah, I mean, I really do think it, it's like it's like food for the the female fan base, <laughs> and that's kind of sad. But I I also I get it because um, I definitely feel it. You know, it's it's one of those things that keeps me coming back to the show as mm. well. Yeah, I'm. Um, this is going to be fun ride for me and um i think this is this this is one of the things right here um which which i feel this show that we're doing right here um uh, is really doing at least me a favor because this is i have uh, this is a, a way i uh, perspective that i would have never had on this show on my own and so that's incredibly fun definitely I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what's going to be fun about this whole podcast is just seeing different pieces of media from the other person's eyes. Like, I know, like, Supernatural is not a show that isn't without its flaws, but it's a show that I keep watching. And I find that fascinating only, not only about myself, about the other people that watch it as well. And we all have our different reasons for watching it, but I think they all kind of boil down to uh, a similar theme. And and I think it's interesting to get your perspective on it because you're very much removed from that context uh, in, in several different ways. First of all, you're not the demographic for the show. Um, second of all, you're not American. Um, and then, you know, l- lastly, it's, it's a, you know, a, a show that has a certain kind of cachet within the streaming universe, but it, it may not be a show that would be typically popular in any other kind of media landscape. So it's interesting to hear your thoughts on it and kind of what works and what doesn't for you. Um, Cause I feel like, yeah, this was a show that was immediately compelling to me uh, from the get go uh, to, so to see, you know, you struggle with some of the, you know, some of the tone and, and, and some of the, the, the different elements, especially maybe the comedic elements that kind of pop in and out. Um, it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts later. I would love to do a follow-up episode if you do continue to watch the show um, with maybe a couple of our friends who also love Supernatural because I feel like I have my own perspective on why I watch the show, but I feel like other people may have a more articulate perspective on on why they watch the show. And I, I think our conversations are fascinating when we have them um, about why people are, are really watching and why they're watching. I'm absolutely game for that. So... Um... I probably it will probably take me two weeks to go to the to the season because uh, I'm 
I've mostly been been uh, holding myself back at this point from 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 binging the thing <laughs> because I didn't I didn't I didn't, I didn't want to know too much before we caught this thing. So um, this is gonna be a fun ride, um, and we'll definitely come back to it uh, at a later point when when I've when I've watched more of it. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Uh, it's it's certainly a show that's near and dear to my heart, and I feel like. As with any long-term relationship, there will be times where you fall out of love with it, but then you always come back. <laughs> it's like it's like a bad ex. You just keep coming back for more. That's kind of where I am now, and I'm 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 just I'm back on board. They really bring back the emotional stakes in a big way in these last couple of seasons. So it's it's interesting to see kind of the ebb and flow uh, of that. I. I I will probably find a one true pairing in this. Maybe maybe I find two. Um, maybe I'll even discover shipping through the show. Who knows? Well, that was our discussion on Supernatural. I am Alison Stubb, and I'm Tobias Pluta. We want to give a big thanks to Jeremy Siegel, who does our music. Props to Jeremy, always giving us the best little drops and the best music for our show. And next time, we'll probably be talking about Grey's Anatomy, which is a show I've never seen and is near and dear to Tobias's heart. And it's a long runner from the same era as well. So uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting comparisons in that. Talk to you soon.